Welcome to the Equipping You podcast, where our mission is to equip Alliance pastors and leaders to live spiritually healthy lives and lead healthy churches. Equipping You is a ministry of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org. Hey, 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 welcome back to Equipping You podcast. This is season six, episode three. We're coming to you today from Colorado Springs, home of the Rocky Mountain Vibes. That's the independent league baseball team that plays here in Colorado Springs. I wish you all could have just seen Alan's face right now because it was priceless. Uh, Alan's (laughs) face is always priceless. That's what my wife says. Used to have a triple A baseball team here, but the altitude is so high that the pitchers were giving up too many home runs and the teams couldn't get a proper assessment of their pitchers. And so therefore now we are left with only an independent league team. Interesting. I'm Terry, church ministries leader for the Alliance. And I'm Alan, director of multiplication, Eastern PA. And what you said reminded me of a quote from the old owner of the Minnesota Twins who once said that our fans love the long ball and we've built a pitching staff to please them. <laughs> love it. I'm Caitlin. I don't I don't sport as much as these guys do. I produce Equipping You podcast and I'm the digital media team lead for the Alliance. And she is a good sport. I'm a very good sport. That's a good sport. That's I, proof. My my favorite sport is football. My second is baseball. I'm just not. I'm not a stat girl. I just. Mm. I'm there for the party. I love to like you know. I love to root for the team. But other yeah. than that, do it. With but friends. I just. I just take it as an opportunity to learn from Terry and Alan. So. Well, well, we yeah. appreciate you being a good sport with our sports. Ah. We do. We do. You are you more than tolerate us. It's You're all right. Wonderful. We'll get talking about Taylor Swift one of these days. So today on Equipping You podcast, our guest is Myron Pierce. Myron is a church planner, mission 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 church in uh, Omaha, Nebraska. He's an author. Works a lot with uh, Exponential. Alan, you're familiar with some of his work. Yeah, he's on there all the time, and they're uh, Exponential Hub. Uh, it's it's pretty. He's done a great job. He uh, not only speaks into church multiplication, but also speaks into the the issues of racial justice in a profound and helpful way. So you're going to get multiple benefit from today's podcast. So grab yourself a high C juice box, pull that straw off the side, slip it out of its plastic wrapper. That's that's the good stuff. It's the pointed end that goes into the (laughs) juice box. That's the sound of me slurping on my high seat juice box. Sit back, relax. Here we go. Hey, Equipping You friends, it's Caitlin here, and I want to tell you about something super special that we have launched here at Equipping You that's just for you, and we think you're really going to love it. If you're an avid Equipping You listener, an Equipping You live attender, or both, you need to join our Facebook group called Equipping You Community. We love that on the podcast and at Equipping You Live, we get to empower you in your ministries. But we believe that for you to really see the true transformation of your leadership that you want, applying what you learn in community is key. So pause this episode right now and head over to facebook.com slash groups slash equipping you community 
or you can go to equippingyou.com and scroll all the way to the bottom and click on Equipping You Community. We can't wait to see you there. And we're very pleased to welcome Myron Pierce to Equipping You Podcast. Myron, thanks for taking the time to chat with us today a little bit. It's good to be here, man. Thanks for having me. So uh, we love hearing the stories of our guests, try to get to know them a little bit. Uh, so if you don't mind, share with us a bit of your background, how you came to know Jesus, and maybe a leader or two who has really influenced your leadership in ministry. Sure. Well, I grew up in uh, inner city Omaha, Nebraska. Grew up, you know, in the context of poverty. My mama was on crack cocaine. My daddy was on heroin. And uh, grew up in poverty. And uh, consequently, man, that took me on a trajectory of gangbanging, uh, selling drugs, uh, just crime and, you know, in and out of jail. By the time I was 14, 15, facing 100 years in the penitentiary, I grew up an unchurched kid. Uh, at the age of 16, I was facing 200 years in the penitentiary and uh, ended up in prison, man. And uh, it was at the beginning of my second prison bid that I, I had a life encountering uh, experience with Jesus and uh, prayed a pretty big prayer, said, God, if you change my life, I'll serve you for the rest of my life. Amen. And that really began the um, the journey of following Jesus. And yeah, man, so spent, spent time in prison, got out. It was a miracle that I got out, uh, literally a miracle after eight years went to a small private Bible college, Grace University. I got a degree in business and biblical studies. And it was there as I was serving um, at a local kids ministry led by Christ Community Church, which is an alliance church. Yep. I met my wife wow. and she introduced me to a guy named Ron Dostler who hired me straight out the penitentiary to uh, you know, be involved in inner city ministry type stuff. And so that's kind of how I got started on this side of, of freedom and in terms of, you know, who has really influenced me, at least in the last couple of years, Ralph Moore definitely has yeah, influenced wow. me. Yep. And uh, I've, I've followed Ralph all over the world lately. <laughs> and so really challenged by his leadership. Fantastic. He Good is, man. Uh, he is uh, the king of multiplication. It's <laughs> crazy. Yeah. He's supposed to be, he's supposed to be hanging out in Nashville uh, right after he comes hang out, comes to hang out with me in Omaha. He's going to be there. Just had an email exchange with him. So, yeah, we're, we're glad that we we get to have conversations with him too, and let him influence us. That's for sure. So, your current ministry, uh, tell us about those and the Holy Spirit implanted passions that drive you to do what you do and how you do it. You know, you you got a unique thing going on. Yeah, so over the last decade, um, God has really opened up the door for me to, to to be involved in church planting multiplication. So, you know, over the last decade, we've we've planted several churches in Colorado Springs here in Omaha. And uh, right now, back in 2017, we launched a mission church, which is an alliance church, you know, Amen. as I, yeah, so, so as I, you know, stepped out in this leg of the race to to plant churches i just thought you know what i like to align myself with a tribe that historically uh, focuses on church planting multiplication and missions and so i landed in the alliance we're glad you did and really Absolutely. you know the, 
Yeah. So the heart behind what we do is real simple. Our dream is every inner city. We, we dream of the day where uh, missionaries and churches are saturating every nook and cranny of the inner city so much that the inner city would experience unprecedented hope. Praise God. And uh, that's what we've we've given our life to uh, over the last since since 2017. Great. So, Myron, uh, I wonder if you could share from your perspective, what does the church need to look like? What does the church need to be and do in the urban environment, perhaps especially among the black community? Yeah, I think when we look at where we are today, uh, churches that are doing ministry and, and living out the mission of God in the inner city, uh, ha- we have to look at a, a couple of dynamics. One of those dynamics is diversity. And this is true of the inner city and true of the, the suburban church. Because the world is becoming more urban and becoming more diverse, it's paramount that we begin to look at our structures and systems and begin to you know ask them some questions around um, how are we doing when it comes to diversity? If you're familiar with Michael O. Emerson, he's a sociologist. And uh, one of the things he said is by 2024, by 2044, rather, the, ch- the, the American church or the Amer- American America in general will be, well, there will you know, longer, no longer be a, a majority. Right. Right. For the first time in history. And so this is true for inner city churches and churches outside of the inner city context. He said that if the church fails at diversity, we will not only become irrelevant, but will be what but would be looked at as a cult mm. to the broader community. Mm. So we have to be thinking missionally in terms of does our leadership structure, systems, governance, does it reflect the very community that God has called us to be on mission after? If it doesn't, we're in trouble. The second thing I think is important, Barna came out with a study, and you know, they're they're you know paramount in, in our understanding of what God is doing in, in and through the church. They just came out and said that 51% of the church has no understanding or definition for the Great Commission. Mm-hmm. So five out of ten people that we ask, what's the Great Commission? 51% says, I don't know. Wow. And then you add COVID to the mix, right? They just they just dropped this one that only forty seven percent of Americans are even would would claim that they're a member of a church. Yeah, right. So we're at a great we're at a crossroads right now that would require that we become more diverse, and then also we'd become more innovative, mm. innovative in terms of how the Great Commission is being stewarded. Innovative in terms of, and I've been sharing this with my friends uh, as I'm doing some work with the KC Underground. We've talked about how every church within the inner city and outside the inner city, we have to move from looking at our churches as organizational charts to family trees. Mm-hmm. Like that. We have to go from central, yeah, we have to go from centralized ministry to decentralized ministry. My friends, Rob Wagner, Lance Ford, and then uh, Alan Hirsch just came out with the book Starfish and the Spirit. And the guy who wrote the original Starfish and the Spider did the forward to it. And um, what they're finding is that organizations that lose their leader end up, you know, 
failing and dying. Mm. But if we could decentralize our structures, empower everyday Christ followers as ordinary missionaries, then we can get about the business of the Great Commission. And for inner city churches, that that matters, not just innovatively, but also as we you know, move um, into the into a new frontier of what digital missionary work looks like, what digital discipleship looks like. We just have to keep up and get in front of this next wave of people coming to Christ when we think about um, how we're doing ministry, even from a digital perspective. Yeah. You know, I followed some of the things you've been talking about in various uh, venues on your own website, uh, also through Exponential, and um, love to see some of the things you're doing to invest in young black leaders who have entrepreneurial potential. Tell us about that, because I, I think it's you know brilliant, really. I love it. Yeah, it's, it's interesting when we talk about you. We we have since the beginning of this country have talked about social justice and. I, I don't know that social justice is um, it's not the full picture. And, and what I mean by that is, is black folk have talked about social justice for years. And yet the ball has not really we've haven't really moved the ball. And I think the missing link to justice is economics. Mm. So when you talk about evangelism and apologetics, the new apologetics is empowering inner city communities to think of themselves not as renters, but owners. Mm-hmm. Mm, and like so that. we're at a pivotal point in our history um, as the church in the inner city to intersect with uh, a new apologetic that focuses on empowering uh, communities that have been disenfranchised since the beginning of the country. So what we set out to say is let's build a a missional approach to reaching people by hitting them right where their their pain point is, which is they're broke. Mm. Right. Not not only broke, but they're impoverished. I've been there. I've grew up in poverty. And so we said, what if we could shift North Omaha, 10 percent of North Omaha, ages 18 to 45, into an entrepreneurial mindset as the local church? What if we can shift people? And so in 2019, we, we beta tested this missional work. It was successful. So we said, let's launch it. And as we've launched it this year, we've scaled it. And here we are. As I look back, we've we've had 20 graduates. 14 of those graduates have um, have launched micro enterprises and then another four to five of those graduates have come back uh, to help us um, continue the mission of, of empowering local entrepreneurs. And it's been beautiful. We break the, uh, the, this endeavor down into three phases. We want to equip or and train rather, mentor and resource. That cycle right there, train, mentor, and resource. And as we've trained, mentored, and resourced, God has opened up amazing. I mean, you're talking about uh, men and women who, you know, are single parents, some of which have been in prison. I was working with a guy who's now on our leadership team for this endeavor. He had done 10 years in a a penitentiary uh, for human trafficking. 
And God got a hold of his life, got out, uh, entered into a disciple making relationship with him. And now he is not only a, an entrepreneur, CEO of his company, catering company, but he's also our lead uh, recruiter for our for for our shift program. So it's been super powerful to see what God uh, is doing in and through um, this this unique approach. Love it. So uh, talk, if you would, Myron, about some of the challenges of being young and black and living in the inner city. What are the obstacles that these young people have to overcome? Yeah, one of the greatest obstacles we, 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 we can, at this point, I won't say never, at this point we can't overcome is, quite frankly, to be black is to be criminal. Mm. That's heartbreaking. It's it to, crimi- to be black is to be crim- criminal because we've created an infrastructure in our society that places or categorizes black people in one category and white people in the other. I mean, the very social construct of black and white has been around, I don't know, at least for the last 200 years. And so we're still trying to recover from that social construct. Right. And then when you have a social construct like that, where to be black is to be inferior, you have to overcome the trauma that comes with that. The breakdown of the family, the disenfranchisement. And so there's a whole level of grief that I think blacks are um, encountering and uh, the only way forward through that is to uh, discover that we are created in the image of God to move from this um, this false perception that we're victims, even though we've gone through a rough history in our in our country. And then to move towards discovering that because we are created in the image of God, that we've been gifted by God to uh, steward an aspect of who his character is. And I think as we discover that and as we see that we are valuable, that our lives are are seen as important, then we can join God in his mission. We can join God in helping other people who are disenfranchised, not only from the gospel, but from society, actually win at life. Right. So we're over. We're, we're, those are that's, those are kind of like some barriers to entries. I think the other barrier to entry is definitely economic. Right. Um, when you look at the, you know, at one point, Omaha, Nebraska was the number one deadliest place for an African-American to live. Mm. You know, I look back over 20, 25 years of my life and I've had over 30, 40 friends die to gun violence and wow. gang violence. Yeah. Wow. Just the other day. Um, my, my cousin, uh, was murdered at a, at a public, um, in a, in a public place at a mall. And hours later, another cousin of mine is in a shootout with the police. Mm-hmm. And so these are just the realities that we are facing as, as blacks that, um, requires not, not only a, not only a move of God, but a move of the church. Mm. Wow. Well. In the move of the church, you know, what are some things that, you know, white Christians uh, need to do to address racial injustice in and outside the church? And uh, I'm wondering if you'd be willing to tell us what are some things that they're doing that aren't helpful? That's a great question. I was uh, just on, I can't even remember, but I, oh, I, I did some, I had a conversation with Daniel Yang and Peyton Jones. Uh, just the other day about this very thing. Yeah. And it was kind of one of kind of a similar question. I've heard it said like this, you can't conquer what, what you don't confront and you can't confront what you don't identify. Mm. 
And I think what the church, what the white church needs is a framework for identifying where we are in our thought process and our belief systems and in our behaviors. And one of the blessings of being a part of Exponential is in, in the Exponential family is the introduction of level five churches. You've heard that familiar right. before, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Yep. you know, one, two, three, four, and five, a uh, level one is subtract, you know, subtracting, plateauing, adding, reproducing, multiplying. Right. Well, I talked to Todd Wilson last year when Ahmaud Arbery was killed. And I said, Hey, I think the church needs healthy language to dissect where we are. So I got to work and came up with a framework uh, using the level five language. And I came up with this, you know, one, two, three, four, and five. So a level one justice church is a church that's apathetic. You know, they just don't care. Mm. In fact, it's so ingrained in their dogma or their doctrine that to entertain anything when it comes to racial injustice in some traditions are, it's considered, you know, political. And so you can imagine if I see racial injustice as political and it's in my doctrine, how apathetic I can become over time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So a level one church is apathetic. Um, a level two church is aware. Right. So last year with the whole George Floyd thing, um, especially young people, America um, was awakened uh, to injustice uh, because of what we saw, you know, via our, our phones. So there's a level of awareness that begins to take place where we recognize, wow, we actually do have a problem and it is bigger than us. And this these issues that are coming up in our in our in our country um, they're not siloed incidents. They're indicative of a narrative that has been built since the beginning of this country. Right. And so as you move from level two awareness, level three church is an active church. That's the church that says, man, I want to get my hands dirty. I want to be involved in issues of injustice that are happening and plaguing a group of people that have been disenfranchised for a long time. Right. They're the ones who are going to say, hey, how can I how can I come and serve? How can I come and be a part? They really take the posture of humility. A level four church is one that uh, moves from just being active to actually becoming advocates. These are the ones that are using their platforms to raise awareness. They're using their platforms and influence to leverage justice. I think about people like Dave Ferguson, who is pioneering the um, the justice uh, endeavor where he's asking churches to change where they're banking because most blacks, if we go and get a, get a loan nine times out of 10, we can't get a loan because of the color of our skin. Mm. And so there's these advocacy churches are, are what we need. We need more level four justice churches who are advocating for issues of injustice and using our platforms to lead our people to a more biblical centered understanding of what God requires. And then the level five justice church is an ally church. This is where I think every single one of our churches need to move to, right? And an ally church isn't just advocating, isn't just active, isn't just aware, hasn't just moved from being apathetic, but they're now venturing out to um, not only use their influence to move people towards justice, but to create platforms where this type of work is multiplying. Mm-hmm. This justice work is happening in the spheres that they influence, the networks, 
the pastors groups, the, you know, the, and they're not only leveraging their influence and in their networks, but they're actually beginning to start justice initiatives that can help move the ball forward. And so I'm finding that if um, we use this framework as a starting point to help us decide where we are, then all of a sudden we can create a plan for moving forward. So that's one part of the, that's one part of the, the second part is, is that once we can identify where we are, it takes a coach to get us out of where we are, right? And so if you look at some churches, if we have a, a financial uh, financial crisis or we don't, we need to, or we have a church plant that we want to launch, what do we do? We actually get a coach. And I think one of the greatest things that we can do um, in the area of justice is just like we have, you know, we, we have chief marketing officers, chief, we have directors for every department in our church. We actually need justice directors. We need justice consultants and we need justice directors that will help us be intentional about identifying um, the type of churches we're leading and making sure that our systems and structures aren't working in opposition to the kingdom of God. That's great stuff, Myron. Really Man. well thought out. I love that level five stuff. That yeah, really, that is really good. We do need it to be simpler, I think, to get it through our thick heads. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. being honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. fl flowing out of that, what can suburban churches do to help urban churches succeed? So Alan and I were pastoring suburban churches in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and got involved in trying to help a, an inner city church plant. You know, so we were aware and we wanted to be active. Uh, you know, what you're, you're planting an inner city church. What kind of help do you need from suburban churches? I think I think before I can answer that question, I think we need to reframe, reframe how we're working together. Right. Because because sometimes the sometimes it's easy to to begin with that premise. You know, like what what do we need help? And I think we have to enter into collaborative partnerships, recognizing that we both need help. Good word. Yeah, that, there, that there's that. something that that's that there's something so powerful that Myron Pearson Mission Church brings to the table that without us, you're incomplete. Love, love that. thought. And there's something go. so. Yeah. And there's something so powerful about the suburban church that without you, we're incomplete. And it's Paul's admonition in First Corinthians. Right. Like about about how how we how we work as the body and how in one season I may need you more and another season you may need me more. And a perfect illustration of this type of. Uh, ecosystem working together, this interdependent systemic uh, system that God is asking us to, to collaborative work, collaboratively work through can be found in how Christ Community Church and Mission Church is working together. So, for example, I'm on Christ Community Church's teaching team. Yeah. Right. There's something so powerful that I bring to the table when I communicate to the body at Christ Community that, quite frankly, Mark can't bring to Christ Community because he's not Myron Pierce. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm not Mark Aston. Right. But together we get a better picture of what the kingdom of God looks like. Mm -hmm. And and in return, Christ community comes alongside of a mission church and says, hey, we are gifted. We have affluence like like nobody's business. And, and because we have affluence like nobody's business, how can we leverage our assets for kingdom expansion and kingdom growth? And one way we've done that together is Christ community 
has has purchased a house in the inner city right across the street from our church building that we that is being renovated. Right. So you look at affluence and you look at mobilization. They're mobilizing the experts in their church when it comes to construction to fully remodel this church to one end. As men get out of prison, they have a safe transitional living location, you know, one, 30 seconds from our doors yeah. where men can land in a safe place to be discipled, to get on their feet, to find meaningful work and then join and aid us in what God is calling us to do. That is an example of how two mutually exclusive churches can interdependently work together for the sake of the gospel. Love it. Absolutely. Great I love to hear that. Mark. I would say, you know, Terry and I would you mentioned the church that we were working with to help plant in um, inner city Harrisburg. I think we probably made the mistake early on of trying to do ministry for them. You know, it was with good intentions, a lack of understanding, I think. The church has gone through a lot of ups and downs. It's at a really great, strong spot now, and it's being led by a guy named Joshua Robertson. And I think we are finally at the point where we recognize that they got a strong congregation with a strong pastor, and we don't need to do ministry for them. We need to do ministry with them. And uh, I really appreciate you adding some meat to that statement for mm -hmm. me there. Great. Um, I know uh, that's a big. It's a bigger shift than people realize, but it's an important shift. So thank you for clarifying that. That means a lot. Yeah, and 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 yeah, because I've been thinking about it a lot, and and you know, I have in the past been on the receiving end of ministry tokenism. Mm -hmm. You know, because I have a, a pretty crazy miraculous story because I have a gift, because I'm pretty charismatic or, you know, apostolic, some sometimes not unintentionally we can we can take that and create poster childs of success un, unknowingly, right? And 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 not intentionally. And and so to be able to move from a colonial way of doing ministry to a collaborative way of doing ministry, it really is has to it really does have to do with dignity and honor, right? Yeah, that that, that if we could see that we each bring something to the table and that the outcome of what we bring to the table is is kingdom and we can do some real good in the world. Love it. Yeah. So let's let's maybe we can push that a little bit more. So, let, you know, let's say we have some churches that want to be helpful in the inner city. What would be some good counsel you would give them, but also would be what was some cautions uh, you would give them uh, so they can actually be fruitful with the inner city church. Yeah. I'd say number one, go back to the framework. Let's identify where we're at within that framework, level one, level two, level three, level four, level five. And then I will get counsel um, around someone to help move that church wherever they are to where they want to be. Right. So who's within their network, who's within their you know, five to 10 minutes, what church is even within five to 10 minutes of, you know, of their church building. And and, and I would posture myself as, hey, um, I want to learn from you. I've, I've discovered wherever we're at, say you're level one church, you know, you can say, hey, man, I, I've discovered that we, we, you know, we have some potholes in our church. Like we have some areas that we need to grow. Right. What, what do you think we can do to grow if we've been a church that hasn't really cared you know, what do you think we can do? I, I, I'd say this, just to give you some tips right here. If you want to go from level one to two fast is through education. The fastest way to get from level one to level two is through education. Yeah. Hmm. Right. And so you can follow people 
like Pastor Mace. You can follow people like Albert Tate. You can follow people like um, Ibram Kendi. You know, I've written a couple books on this whole justice and black and white thing. Uh, You can follow people like, uh, you know, Mark DeMoss, who uh, is, you know, leading mosaics down in Arkansas. Uh, These are reputable leaders who love love the church and, and love God's kingdom. If you're if you're if you're a level two, you know, if you're a level two church and you're trying to get to level three, the fastest way to do that is through proximity. Right. And that's yeah. where where we have to begin, you know, finding those in our communities that look different than us and honoring them enough to say, hey, I want to learn from you. Yeah, I, I just want to come and see. Right. So those are just a couple of examples of how to shift. I think ultimately, if a, if a church really wants to grow uh, we we have to invite consultants in to get up under the hood of our church and to and for them to reflect back to us what they see. Yeah. Right. And then as they reflect and diagnose what they see, then we can begin to build a plan or pathway or a journey that's documented and can be measured so that we can look back and say, wow, we grew as a church. Yeah. Good stuff. So, uh, Last question, unless we think of another one. Uh, <laughs> talk specifically about seeing church multiplication happen in the inner city environment. What are some key elements or building blocks that need to be in place for the church to multiply in the inner city setting? Yeah, I think pastors have to give up stardom. Okay. Mm, I love yeah. That. So wow. So you can't have sacrifice and stardom. Woo, that's deep. It's impossible. Love it. Love it. Yeah, I, I have to decide, do I want to pattern myself according to multiplication or do I want to be um, the do, do I want to be the one always in the pulpit? Yeah. Right. So we, we have to decide what we want to pay for. Each each will cost us something. Stardom is going to cost you something. It's going to cost you your marriage, probably going to cost you your energy, your time and burnout. Going to have to keep up with the latest 100 fastest growing churches. Right. You're going to have to keep up with all that. Or you could say, God, I'm willing to sacrifice stardom to see a church planting movement. And that requires I have to give up power in my church. I have to give it up in terms of empowering other people. I have to I have to take my power and begin to pass it out. And we could simply do that by by saying, "Okay, do I want to spend 20 hours a week preparing for a sermon or do I want to spend one hour a week preparing for a sermon and 19 hours making disciples. Secondly, you have to begin and say, okay, um, if if we want church plant and multiplication, I have to begin looking at my budget again. Does my budget reflect my belief on church, church planting multiplication? Because my budget's telling my budget's going to, my budget's going to expose me. And so then I have to go back to my board and say, Hey, uh, church planting multiplication needs to happen because 51% of all of our church people don't know what the Great Commission is, nor, uh, nor, nor are they returning back to church because of COVID. We're at 47% membership right now, hmm. right? So we have to begin looking at our budgets again. Then we have to begin restructuring um, our time, restructuring uh, even our language, right? Uh, restructuring what's important, looking at the stories that we tell, the heroes that we celebrate, all of that becomes a matter of church planting multiplication. And then do I have a plan for disciple making? Do I have a plan for raising up leaders? And do I have a plan for sending missionaries? All of that's important to movement. Great. Good stuff. Hey, just just before we uh, bring this to a close, uh, give us uh, 
couple of book titles from uh, that you've recently uh, or that you've written, and uh, so that our listeners are aware of those and uh, can get their hands on those to read them. Yeah. So if they're inner city leader, I, I wrote a book called Side Hustle Pastor, uh, helping pastors to really think about how to put food on their table and fund their ministry. I think a lot of times we spend so much time talking about the church that we we sacrifice not only our family when it comes to time, but our family when it comes to money and resources and inheritance. And so I wrote a short book on how to launch um, an enterprise that that w- won't compete with what you're doing in ministry, but complete what you're doing in ministry. As it pertains to issues of justice, uh, I wrote um, How to Be White in a Black Man's World. It's a breakdown of Paul's understanding of how Jew and Gentile became one and how that model could help move black and white people together in harmony. Mm. And then last year I wrote Black and White, How Unity and Reconciliation Can Save America, um, along with a a resource for digital ministry. So I wrote a trilogy on how to do digital ministry. Number one um, was uh, why social media should be your number one strategy. Number two, digital ministry, how to pastor in a pandemic. And then number three, DigiChurch. How the how the church can can change the world digitally. So all of those books can be found on Amazon. Great, thanks, man. Myron, really appreciate you yeah. being with us and uh, insights that have been uh, practical and powerful to help us. And love what you're doing, and uh, pray God's continued blessing on you as uh, you keep serving Him. Oh man, thanks, man. It's been a privilege and an honor to be. Uh, just allowed to spend some time with you guys. Thank you so much. I appreciate y'all. Thank you, sir. Well, some very helpful helpful observations, as I suggested we might get in the intro. Some helpful suggestions on the whole idea of church multiplication in the inner city, as well as issues surrounding racial justice that are personally challenging. They sure are. Yeah, I feel like... You know, we've had some conversation with him off the air, too, and it just reminds me that part of my growing is becoming vulnerable to learning things that are hard for me to process and not just assume because I have a maybe an, an immediate reaction against something doesn't mean that it's it's not an area I need to grow in. And uh, I appreciate him pushing that in me, and I, I want to keep growing that, and I would encourage our leaders Maybe you resonated with everything he said. Maybe some things he said got under your skin. That's part of our growth yeah. to interact with stuff or authors or things that we don't necessarily are in lockstep with. But we, if we really want to grow, we have to think those ways. Yeah. I often say I'm on the learn-as-I-go plan. And the truth of the matter is all of us need to be on the learn-as-we-go plan. And uh, none of us have arrived in this area of... Uh, Uh, racial justice and uh, I personally want to be more influential in that area I want my own attitudes to be more Christ honoring in that area and I hope we will all take the posture of humility and learning and uh, that includes listening and we've had some valuable listening opportunity today as Myron spoke to us well Alan What should people do if they benefited from this episode? Well, they should share it with somebody for one thing uh, and then have a conversation with them about it. Or we would love to see if they shared it on their social media, Facebook or Twitter or 
however they want to share it. Uh, and as always, we welcome ratings on our podcast, whether it's on Google or Spotify or Apple. Uh, the more you rate it, uh, wonderfully positive, which I can't imagine any other way they would rate it, Terry. Well, I think uh, we're rated G. So uh, that's not what I was going for. But anyhow, oh, okay. the more people interact with that really helps more people hear it. And it helps us to have really important conversations so that we can be encouraged and equipped to serve Jesus. Listeners, we appreciate you. As we're recording this in uh, mid-2021, we have gone over 15,000 listens to Equipping You podcast, and that wouldn't happen without you and without the fact that you're sharing the word. Yeah. So uh, Thank you very much. We do appreciate it. Next time uh, on episode four of season six, you'll be hearing from Bob Thune, Bob Thune 2, who is also, by the way, from Omaha. This is the, uh, these are the Omaha episodes. <laughs> Apparently. Uh, and uh, he'll be talking about uh, equipping elders and uh, yeah. gospel eldership. It's going to be a great conversation. Things. Look forward to it. Meanwhile, keep the faith. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Equipping You podcast. If you liked this episode, please consider subscribing and rating our channel. We hope you will join us for our next episode. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org.